Thanks for joining me today on the Church Brand Guide podcast. This is Michael Prasad. Today we're going to be talking about a topic of importance to every church, and that is how do you build a brand where people want to be a part of it? They want to volunteer and give their time towards helping you accomplish the vision. That's a big topic where we're just talking about people volunteering, giving their time, giving their energy so that they can serve on your teams uh, in ministries, helping young people learn about God, helping uh, usher people in and and get them to their seats or being a greeter at the door, or maybe serving coffee in the coffee bar. Uh, Whatever different areas you have in your church, you need people that are willing to volunteer the time and energy to be a part of it. So we're going to be talking with Jared Hogue, who is an amazing, amazing expert on this idea. And he's going to unpack for us some great ideas that will help uh, help you create a brand where volunteering is, is just part of what you do and people want to be a part of it. Uh, before we get into that, I do want to share with you some uh, big ideas that I've been working on. So as you know, um, in recent months, I've been working with um, a Life Mission Church, and we've been working very closely um, to help develop their brand. So one of the big things we, we, we are doing here in recent uh, weeks is basically uh, trying to get more corporate. And I know that sounds really counter-church uh, when I first say it, but really um, what we're talking about is a mindset. It, it's, a, it's an experience that we want to provide for the people that come to the church. And what happened is that I just began to realize as I was working in there that there was this, uh, this mindset that was, um, was kind of this local mindset. And we needed to get a little bit more corporate in how, how we uh, approach things. And what I mean by corporate is this, and, and here's a definition that I'm going to pull out. There's a few definitions I thought were really good from the, from the dictionary. One of them is of or relating to or formed into one unified body of individuals. Love that definition. I think it really describes what a church is all about. A bunch of individuals coming together in order to serve a, a common vision or a, going in, a, in the same direction with, the, um, with whatever they have. Another definition is to form into a body. I love that. That, again, ties right back into uh, what a church is. Um, in the Bible, it talks about us being one body, many parts. Um, one other definition was authorized to act as a single entity. So all these definitions really point to the idea of having a mindset um, of, of just working together. Another way to put it is to, to have a, an experience that is well orchestrated. Um, experience that that where someone when somebody comes into your church environment it's a very consistent experience that speak towards the vision of the church and they can see that they can feel it even if they don't understand it fully they have a a good feel that this church has a plan and a purpose and is going somewhere you know recently i visited a church um that i think does a really good job of this and um you may have heard of them before it's uh, life.church uh, Life.Church is pastored by Pastor Craig Groeschel, and they have 26 campuses all, aco- all across the, com- uh, the country as of, uh, as of right now. So their, their goal is to keep on going, to keep on planting campuses. So they have a new campus in Overland Park, uh, Kansas, which I visited, and I thought it was just a, a really neat experience. Um, when you walk in there, it almost felt like a hotel in how it looked. Um, just in the fact that everything was well orchestrated. The look and the feel felt really good, well put together. The fonts were consistent with what was on the screen. It was the same font as you saw on a poster on the wall. Um, or the t-shirts that people were wearing had the same font on it. The colors were very consistent. 
the uh, the the presentation of everything, all the messaging was very consistent, had a great feel to it, uh, made you feel like this was very uh, well thought out. The uh, the people when they interacted with me, um, they they just were kind of pushing me in the same direction in a very good way. They were trying to get uh, get to know me and then help me uh, get my kids to the right place or maybe come to their newcomer class. I forgot what they called it, but it was like a class where you get orientated into the church. So they were very um, well orchestrated and trying to get me to the right place and help me become a part of the church. So I love that. And, and I also love the feel of the local mindset that they also had. So they had small groups that were in right in the community. Uh, they, they had different events and things that were happening to serve in that area. So it wasn't like this big, you know, out of touch type of thing. It felt very local, even though what I saw was corporate in, in my, my own words. So um, I love that experience. I thought it was great. And we're going to adopt that in how we do things at Life Mission Church. We're going to create a very consistent experience. We're going to orchestrate how we um, welcome guests onto our campuses and, and how we get them to where they need to go. It's going to be a long process. It's going to take us a while to do it. Um, we're going to start with the visual elements, the screens that are on the uh, uh, in the auditorium, the, uh, the, the fonts that we use as we put out communications. The, even the voice that we use, the, the types of words that we use, we want to try to nail that down into a certain feel. So um, I think that's going to be a wonderful thing. I know it will, um, just so that we can build a brand where people recognize who we are in the community. And then also this, our, this church is a, um, it's a multi-campus church, so it has three campuses, which means every campus ha- needs to have a very consistent feel to it so that you can build a strong brand that's going to be consistent from, from place to place. So uh, that's a great direction. I just wanted to share that with you, this whole feel of being corporate, um, having a mindset that's corporate, or another way to put it is just a well-orchestrated experience. So let's get to our topic today. I'm going to change gears and head right back into the big idea of creating a brand where people want to be a part of it. They want to jump in. They want to they want to be a part of carrying the vision forward with their time. They're going to volunteer. They're going to give their talents and abilities uh, to serve in different areas. The, your media team or maybe up on stage singing or play, playing an instrument, maybe your kids' services, uh, teaching kids or, or just being extra hands in a classroom. Every church needs this. It's the lifeblood of the church. And so it's a very big topic. And Jared uh, Hogue is a, a um, an expert in this area. He comes from Church on the Move in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he oversaw hundreds and hundreds of volunteers on a weekly basis uh, with their kids program. So he was over all that stuff, and he gives us some really great insights on how to create a culture uh, that lo- where volunteers love to be a part of what's going on. They love to volunteer their time. They, they're eager to do it, and they're well-informed, well-equipped to do it and to do, to do their job really well. I'd like to let you know about our branding course that I've created. It's a series of videos unpacking what branding is and how to do it with your church. So if you're ready to take it to the next level and get your church branded in a, in a very strong way, this course will help you do that. It'll walk you through what it is to brand and why you need to do it and then how to do it. Uh, it gives you uh, some downloads and some different resources to help you create that strong brand for your church. I also uh, have a book in there that I've written, and it unpacks what branding has looked like in the Bible. So I, I love to 
um, as I'm reading the Bible, um, it seems like I'm, I, I'm able to pick out some things where it's like, oh, wow, look at that. They're really be, God's really being intentional about creating a brand in how he did something. Um, so I like to point that out in my book and talk about how that's happened in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament. God's very intentional. Everything he does is very intentional. When he built a tabernacle, he built it a certain way so that people could learn who he, he is by experiencing that the tabernacle itself. So um, a, a lot of that stuff's in there as well. So make sure you visit churchbrandguide.com. Uh, on the homepage, you'll see a button where you can click on uh, to, to get the book and, and, and the course that's included with that. So make sure you click on that at churchbrandguide.com. So let's get right into, into it today with Jared Hogue, and let's talk about creating that great culture of, um, of volunteering. Thanks for joining me today on the Church Brand Guide podcast. I'm on the phone with Jared, who's going to help us begin to unpack the, the big idea of improving your volunteer culture. Hey, Jared, welcome to the podcast. Man, Michael, thanks so much for having me on. I, I really appreciate it, man. I, I, I appreciate you. As You're just a great American. <laughs> thanks, Jared. I appreciate it. You and I got to know each other just um, recently. And man, I tell you what, just hearing a little bit about your background, uh, what you're all about, what you're trying to do, um, was just a, a very inspiring and just uh, I really appreciated it. Can you can maybe share some of that with our audience? Yeah, thanks so much, man. That's that's super cool of you to say it. But yeah, so um, about, uh, let's see, at this point, I guess it's 15 years ago, I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was uh, I had graduated high school, didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. And then over the summer of my, uh, after my senior year, I realized that I had a call to ministry on my life. And so uh, moved through a series of circumstances, moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma to intern at Church on the Move. Um, and, uh, at the end of two years did not get hired and, but just stuck around, you know, I was, I was super involved as a volunteer for those 15 years in youth and in kids. And then, uh, had, had the pleasure of uh, doing about two years working with, uh, students and young adults and then left to do some business stuff and then came back, uh, in 2014 to work in the kids department. I was overseeing the fifth and sixth grade ministry at the time. And over the course of the two years, I was promoted, um, uh, several times to overseeing the kids ministry for all three campuses of Church on the Move. Uh, I think the title I had was something like the Global Kids Director. And um, and so, yeah, just kind of came in and uh, love, love Church on the Move, love what we do there. Um, have since moved on. I'm now uh, officially moved up to the Boston, Massachusetts area and helping plant a church here. So that's kind of a nutshell version of, of my history. Um, I, hope that, I hope that's the answer you're looking for. No, that's perfect. Gives us a lot of context of, you know, what world you've been in. Uh, church on a Move, I've been following uh, you guys, you know, that church for quite some time. They are a wonderful, uh, you know, church that just shares ideas, freely just puts it out there so that other churches churches can be become better. That's part of their brand. And um, yeah, with branding too, uh, you know, volunteers are just such a critical part of creating a strong brand. I mean, when, once you have some some sort of direction where you're wanting to go, uh, your volunteers are really the, the front line. Um, so tell me, in your opinion, why do churches have to get their, their volunteer culture right? 
Man, this is crucial. We in in Kids on the Move, which is our our children's ministry, we had five areas of focus that we really tackled. So we we focused on curriculum. We built our own curriculum. Um, <clears throat> we had our weekend experience, which is just what happens on the weekend when our guests arrive. We had small groups, volunteers, um, and I'm actually blanking on the other one. That's terrible. I shouldn't be. But basically, with the five areas, it all boils down to. I mean, it, it all hinges on your volunteers. Your like you said, your volunteers are your front line. And, um, I mean, the, the, the studies show you hear different people say different things, but people make a decision if they're coming back to your church, your business, whatever it is within 12 minutes of, of being on your property. And I mean, that starts as soon as they, they pull onto the property. And so most churches are not employing staff members to be out in the parking lot, uh, directing traffic and helping first time visitors get where they go. Not to mention then when you walk in the doors and you've got greeters there at the doors and then they go to kids check in. If it's a family and they're coming to check their kids in, and again, all of these these positions are, are run by volunteers, and I'm not saying anything new here. Everybody knows that, but they're interacting with these volunteers, and as passionate as you may be about your ministry or your uh, what what it is that you've got going on there, uh, if your volunteers aren't if your volunteers aren't aren't setting that example as soon as people get there. Uh, there's a chance you're going to run these people away. And so it's crucial that we get our volunteers right. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, the Home Depot uh, has a kind of, of a philosophy that I heard of a while back, and it really applies to churches. They, um, The CEO of Home Depot was kind of sharing, I think it was on a podcast one time, and he was just talking about how the uh, the, the employees that work the registers and that are stocking the shelves are the the most important thing that they can pour into because they uh, they're the first contact with the with the customer, and uh, yeah. So what you're saying with the volunteers is so true. When somebody first comes onto the property, before they even hear a message, they're encountering you know the the volunteers that are that are helping to welcome them into the doors or give them some coffee, yeah. that type of thing. So yeah, we have Absolutely. have to get it right. If you're going to build a strong brand with your church, then that's a that's a big big uh, uh, idea that you have to get right. So Jared, yeah, can, you, can, sure. can you help us un- maybe unpack what you've done in the past to help build a strong volunteer culture? Man, I'm happy to. And, and please make no mistake about it. I, I'm not an expert in this. Uh, we, we had some, I, I have to give the credit to God. I mean, like, I'm not trying to be spiritual or cliche or anything like that. Like, God really placed some gifts inside of me and our team and and the people that we worked with to make this happen. And it really was a team effort. It wasn't just me. And so I can't take full credit for this, but we just had an amazing team that was willing to jump behind a vision and and run with it. And so, man, I love I love the reference there you had with Home Depot. I'm an avid Home Depot fan. Uh, given any opportunity to go to a hardware store, I'm going to Home Depot. And it's it's exactly what you just said. It's because they're people. Um, I've walked into some of their competitors and it's almost as though their employees try to avoid you. I mean, they're so busy doing something that they don't have time for the customer, which is just mind blowing because the customer is the one ultimately paying their salary. And so as Sam Walton said it best that your customer can fire you at any moment by going and spending their dollars elsewhere. And I'm one of those crazy people that thinks that business and the church really aren't that different, that really they are the same thing. And so 
like you you were talking about with Home Depot, the same thing is true at our place in that we can't have employee, employees or, in our case, volunteers that are just congregating among themselves. They've got to be willing to to break that that circle, if you will, and, and, and look for people that kind of walk in with that deer in headlights look. Um, and that, and one thing I love about Home Depot, again, to jump back to this before I really jump into what I was planning on talking about here is that, uh, their people will stop whatever they're doing and walk you to where, whatever you need to find. If you ask a Home Depot employee for something, they're not just going to point, they're not just going to tell you it's over, over on aisle 35. They're going to walk you to that, whatever it is that you're looking for. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I love Home Depot is because of that. And so we've got to do the same thing at our church. And, and this is something that even came from my boss, Pastor Greg Scott, is um, we're not just going to point because we know the lay of the land at our church and you may too at your church. But when someone else comes, they don't know it like you know it. And if you don't have amazing signage, and even at that, even if you do, there's still something about walking people to a classroom. And I can't tell you how many times we would do this, that somebody would walk through and we had permission from our leadership to drop what we were doing to walk them where they needed to go. Because our church was set up, it was basically a giant box. Like it was actually really easy to navigate. But I say that having 15 years experience navigating this place. And so when someone else walks in, they don't know that it's just in the shape of a giant box. And so we trained our first responders, basically our, our uh, we called it our family host team. These were our check-in teams that you don't point, you walk people where they need to go. And so dr- basically dropping whatever you need to do, that's just kind of a, a little side nugget there. Um, but man, getting your volunteer culture, it's vital. Uh, just like what you're talking about there. I love the Home Depot reference just because they get it right. And there's so many businesses like, and I'm not trying to bash them, but like if you go into Walmart, it's almost like you're you're uh, inconveniencing their employees when you ask for something. And it, that's so unfortunate. It's so unfortunate because I know that's not how Sam Walton originally intended it to be at Walmart in particular. And so that kind of stuff is crucial. But as far as like volunteer culture goes, one of the biggest things, and this is this may sound, you've probably heard this before, this isn't going to be anything earth shattering. But for us, one of the things that began to change our volunteer culture and to give a little bit of context to why we changed our volunteer culture. So just a few years ago, we had really over the past decade, we had gone to uh, much more of a production heavy service for kids on the move. So preschool and elementary uh, were airing more and really just church wide was very production heavy. Um, and, And this is something that has kind of run rampant now in the church world is, and it's kind of packaged under the idea of excellence that we want to put on the best that we can. And and that's great. And I think we should, God deserves our best. But one thing we kind of ran into is that our volunteers were falling into this place of, they were just there, at least in our elementary environments and kind of even in our preschool environments, they were just there holding a door. They were kind of crowd control, making sure no one escaped. And don't get me wrong. Safety was our number one priority and still is to this day. It is vital that your your children's classrooms are safe. But with that, there, w- what we realize is that our volunteers weren't really bought in. They weren't really engaged in what was going on. Don't get me wrong. We had some amazing volunteers that stuck with us through this time. But we wanted to start giving them more ownership. And that when you come, we don't just want you to hold a door. We don't just want you to be crowd control. 
I mean, for all intents and purposes, you need to be somewhat of a pastor in these kids' lives. And so going from the production-heavy environment to more of a volunteer-driven, relational environment where small groups were the primary thing, um, we had to make some adjustments. We had to make some changes because, for one, we used to be in one big room where first through fourth grade was all in that one room. So on any given service, we would have three, 400 kids in one room. Well, everything that went on on the stage basically was staff. There were a handful of volunteers that helped with it, but for the most part, it was staff making all of that happen. Well, when we went to the more relational, small group-driven environments, we broke into smaller environments. And so now you've got a first and second grade room, a third and fourth grade room, and a fifth and sixth grade room And when it comes to elementary in particular. And so, you, I mean, unless you just have an exorbitant budget, you can't really pay to staff all of that. And so we wanted to go give more ownership. I mean, like I said, I was a high level volunteer for many, many years at, at, in this children's ministry. And so I wanted to, to give ownership to our people. I knew we had some untapped talent that we weren't really reaching. And, you know, it all goes back to Ephesians 4.12. Our job is to equip the saints. If you work in the ministry, your job is not to do all of the ministry. Your job is to, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And I love how my, my boss, Pastor Greg Scott, would put it, is that Jesus is doing his greatest work today from a seated position. He's given away ownership of the church to these very um, uh, fallible uh, people that make mistakes and if Jesus can do it, why can't we? And so that's the transition we started going through was giving away the ownership of the ministry. And so we made some changes and, and we, uh, not to be crass, but one of our primary things when it came to uh, our communicator, our singer program and our production program uh, at the beginning of 2015, when I took this, took over elementary, um, we had maybe 25 volunteers total among those three, three teams and um, we just, we kind of started making some changes. We started calling gifts out in people. We started uh, just recognizing that, hey, I think you could do this. I think you could try this. And so giving people an opportunity to, to communicate from the stage. And, and with that, if you want to, we can talk about this in a little bit, but we had a system in place for this. We didn't go from someone who's never spoken to they're doing a message next week. We didn't do that. Um, there's definitely some wisdom that comes into play with this and some uncomfortable conversations that come into play with this. Um, but we went, we just started calling gifts out in people and saying, Hey, I think you should give this a shot. I think you'd be good at this. And you would, it would be met oftentimes with some resistance. I remember one guy in particular, his name's Kent, and he's actually on staff now on the kids on the move team. Um, the first time I asked him if he would speak, he's, I asked him to, to co-host a game is all I asked him to do. And he's like, he kind of paused for a minute and he's just like, I think I could do that but I don't ever want to do a message. So don't ask me. (laughs) And then you fast, fast forward though, six, eight, 12 months, he was doing messages. And I'm I'm, like I said, I'm happy to talk about our system for how that all worked. But uh, really over the course of 18 months, Michael, we went from, like I said, 25 uh, volunteers on our communicator, singer and production teams to 127. And And there were some principles that we put into play. Like one of the things, again, this is what I was saying just a second ago. I don't mean to be crass, but one thing I told our team was embrace the suck. Like just realize that it's okay, that it's not totally okay. Like there's people that say if someone can do it at 85% of what you can do it, give it to them. Craig Rochelle even says if someone can do it at 50% of what you can do it with momentum, give it to them. 
And you look at Life Church, they're the the largest church in America, if not the world. And I mean, they are just incredible at developing people. And so that was really one of the biggest catalysts for us was the the embrace the suck is that it's okay that it's not okay. But we're going to put a system in place. We're going to train these people and we're going to develop them as we go. And so and really keeping in mind that we're in this for the long haul. This isn't something that we need you better. We need you perfect. We need you at the highest level of communicating by next week. And so each week when you get off the stage, we're going to go over one thing with you. And we're, in fact, we're going to ask you first, what did you think of it? Because chances are they're going to be harder on themselves than we're going to be on them. But then for next week, we're going to give you one thing to work on and that I think your energy needs to be better. If you're a singer, you had your eyes shut the whole time. And that can be a nervous habit of a new singer is that they just shut their eyes so they don't have to see the audience. Well, that's a problem. And so, but we're only going to give you one thing to work on for next week. And we want to see you get better in that area. And then we'll improve from there. Sorry, that was a very long answer to probably a shorter question. <laughs> no, that's really good. Um, are you able to just, I guess for a moment, unpack the, the system of developing? Uh, you said, I think yeah. a lot of people uh, struggle with that. A lot of churches struggle with the idea of developing you know, leaders and uh, allowing them to yeah. be bad for a while. Yeah, unpack that for a moment. Yeah, so with basically all of our, uh, all of our volunteers, we had a three-tiered system. Um, and so this is, this is, uh, I, I would probably say with the exception of our family host team, uh, all of our other position, there was a three tiered system. And so when it came to communicators, you had level one, level two, level three. And so when it, when it came, came to a communicator, that level one was that they co-hosted a game in the audience. Um, and this was just to help them get comfortable holding a microphone, hearing their own voice come through the speakers, but the whole thing didn't ride on their shoulders. And so that was level one, level two, and then level one, they could graduate to be where they're hosting the game from the stage. And then level two would be, they would graduate to being able to uh, read the Bible story in front uh, on the stage uh, or do an offering talk, something like that. And then level three was uh, actually, we called it the illustration. We viewed our whole service as the message. And then one piece of that would be the illustration. Other people probably see this as the message portion of our service. That was a level three communicator. Um, and then since then, there's actually been implemented a, since I've left, they've implemented a level four when it comes to communicators. And these are volunteer communicators training other volunteers, which is like the ultimate goal, you know? So uh, basically with each of our positions, there was a three tiered system. So with singers, it was kind of the same way. You'd start out as a dancer, no mic, you would sing. It just helps you get, get comfortable with the moves. You're up in front of everybody. Everybody's looking at you. So you kind of get comfortable with that. Level two is you're singing, but you're not the lead singer. Level, level three is that you are the main singer in the room. Same thing when it came to production. You start out as an assistant, then you're actually running it, and then you could become a production coach, which you're overseeing several rooms, coaching other volunteers how to do this. When it comes to a small group leader, you start out as an assistant small group leader. So you're not actually leading the group, but you are in the group. You're conversing and all that, but you've got a more seasoned small group leader in there. Then you become a small group leader, and then you could become a small group coach who does the actual coaching of the small group leaders. And so each one of our volunteer positions had a three-tiered, three-step system um, to get your feet wet, basically, before we just fully kicked you in. I hope I didn't go through that too fast. No, that was great. And I think just um, being able to apply that in different levels, you know, if, if people are uh, training ushers or needing, you know, anything else uh, beyond even just the kids' programs, I think that applies so well into just any area within within a church. 
So another big question that that churches will have when it comes to uh, volunteers is basically how do you, how do you get volunteers? You know, how do you get people to buy into what you're doing and then uh, give their time? You have any tips on that? Man, that's <laughs> that's the uh, the age old question. You know, uh, all churches deal with that. Even even Church on the Move, I oversaw 865 volunteers while I was there with a team of people, and um, we still needed more volunteers. Um, those are 865 volunteers from birth through fifth grade across three campuses, and we still needed more volunteers. But, you know, I would just encourage you to get creative. Don't expect your senior pastor to make an announcement from the stage on the weekend every time you need volunteers. Go do something. The Bible promises that anything you put your hand to will prosper. Go put your hand to something. And so we started getting creative, you know, in, in ways to recruit people. One, one thing our church does is that we have a, a thing called sections. This is uh, something that we got from Willow Creek, Bill Hybels Church, but it's basically a way to make your church uh, a big church, kind of a medium-sized church, and that most, uh, most auditoriums are already set up in sections, and so putting a leader over each section to where when people come sit in their, their area, they, they go out, reach out to them, help them get a little more acclimated and get to know some people in the church. Because in a church our size, it's so easy to, to come in and leave and no one even knew you were there. And so uh, small groups take care of the small, the small aspect, but the sections take care of kind of the medium aspect. And so I had a relationship with a couple of section leaders and I just reached out to them and said, hey, could we do a recruiting event through, through your section? And, and let me just tell you, it went incredible. We, in our nine, this was only in our 9 a.m. Sunday morning service. We do three services on the weekend. In our 9 a.m. Sunday morning service, the two, these two section leaders recruited three other section leaders. And then it wasn't just like, hey, we're going to put an announcement in our email to our section. We're not just going to uh, make an announcement in the flyer that goes out to our section. We're going to get aggressive and go help you recruit people. And so we did a meeting. We had like some cookies and some water uh, for this. It was very informal. And we just, we pitched the vision to, to these people. And then, and we had, I think we had like 17 or 18 people show up from these five sections helping us recruit people. And we don't do a real hard sell of like, you need to commit to a year right now. We do ask for that later on. But ultimately, our goal is can, if you'll just come shadow in one of our rooms, come observe one of our rooms, we're confident you're going to fall in love with this place and want to do it. Because I think so many people, especially when it comes to kids ministry, they think it's, it's child care, that it's basically babysitting. And it's, it's the furthest thing from that if it's done properly. And so um, we just knew that if we could get someone to come observe that they would fall in love with it and that they would want to be a part. So that was our whole deal. And so we did that through sections. Um, we have something called Next Move, which is the next steps at our church, and it's all about getting people plugged in, deploying their gifts for the kingdom of God. And so that's something that our church has in place uh, that has been super helpful. And then not to mention, recruit yourself, like recruit from the people that you know, and then you're going to tap that pool out pretty quickly. Start having your volunteers recruit people. Because like kind attracts like kind. If you have good volunteers, chances are they're hanging out with good people. Leverage that. Encourage them to do it. Make a contest out of it. You get a $5 Starbucks card for every person that signs up to come volunteer. And then beyond that even, I mean, we, we, I didn't actually get to see this through to fruition, but we were going to do, I heard about this at the Orange Conference in, at, uh, earlier this year actually, um, but is do a bring a friend to work Sunday, set a specific date on the calendar 
advertise this with all of your volunteers and encourage them to bring one person with them to shadow you that Sunday. And obviously there's some logistical stuff, some safety stuff, background checks, things like that when it comes to kids and youth. But things like this, they're very simple, uh, but can provide some amazing results for you in terms of recruiting uh, recruiting people. Gotcha. So I, I, I think a part of that too is that um, as, as staff and as leadership, you've got to have, you've got to build something that people want to be a part of and um, totally. where they're well-trained to be a part of it. Uh, and, and I guess in my experience, that's the training has been um, a big deal because if, if somebody is not uh, well-equipped, then they don't want to stick around. Is there anything yep. that you want to speak to towards that? Like having volunteers that want to be there and that are passionate and, and well-equipped? Yeah, man. So for us, we there were th- when it came to our volunteers, we said all the time, volunteers are our gold. And then there were three steps to make that happen. Vision, training, and appreciation. Those were the three things we emphasized when it came to our volunteers, keeping the vision in front of them. So for us, the vision was, we stole this from Reggie Joyner out of his book, It's Just a Phase. Statistically speaking, 70% of church kids will walk away from the church when they turn 18. Being connected to one adult outside of that, outside of their parents, uh, cuts that in half. And so if we can get solid small group leaders to pour into these kids, it's such a big deal. So that was the vision that we would pitch is that we can eradicate the 70%. We can keep these kids connected to church um, and ultimately connected to God. And then when it came to training, so when, for our communicators, we did, um, I think oftentimes it, the tendency is, hey, just come to our church and we'll train you. Well, we wanted to find ways to go to them. And so we started developing these short uh, two to three minute videos. And we would, we would then send them out to our people where uh, here's a tip for communicating. And it's just one thing. It's just one thing on being a better communicator. And if you apply this this weekend, it would always end with an action step that here's what you can do this weekend to become a better communicator. And so that was a big deal. Another thing we deployed was a, the, it's called the Next Gen Podcast, where you can go listen to this. It's on iTunes. I believe it's in Google Play. It is not intended for anyone except for the leaders, the, the Next Gen leaders of Church on the Move. That's it. And it's a place where we talk about our areas of focus, our small groups, our weekend experience, our curriculum, things like that, where it's, you don't have to come up and give up another evening of your night. This is something you can listen to in the car ride on the way to work. Um, and so things like that. And then the other things, just the very hands-on training, the, here's the one thing I see that you could do better. Um, one other thing we do, we do a once a month service director lunch. So our service directors are volunteers that oversee one service of a specific environment, um, each week. And once a month, we bring all of our service directors and assistant service directors. And there's a few other ancillary people that may come to this meeting, but again, we feed them. We, we get to know them, we may play a game, but then we do some training right there. And then we expect them to be vision carriers that then go out and train their teams. Um, and then we also do uh, like each, each uh, pastor that's over a room. So like Dan DeBell, Dan is just an amazing dude. He's overseeing the central campus for uh, Church on the Move. When I was there, he, st- he was the fifth and sixth grade director. And so he would have three uh, service directors and then three assistant service directors that would report to him. And like once a month, he would take just those six people out to lunch 
and just talk with them, find out what's going on in their rooms, find out what we could do better, and then just have a little nugget to give to them and say, hey, this is what we want to improve on. We need to recruit better. Where are your teams recruiting? Things like that. Those were just some real simple things that we would do for ongoing training. Everything we, our, our whole objective was how can we have systematic training? Not stuff that comes up every once in a while, but systematic training. And then the final thing I'll say to that is our pastor actually wanted us to do, we call them team nights. Uh, we do three of these a year and they each one emphasizes one of those three things I was talking about a little bit ago. So the the one at the beginning of the year will be about vision. This is where This is where we were in the last year and then this is where we're going in the upcoming year. And then we do one that's spe- specifically about training, where we'll have some main stage training where we may talk about uh, what do you do in your small group if a really heavy subject comes up like cutting or, or suicide or something like that. What do you do? And so we'll train on that. And then the final one for the year, we do a big night just about appreciation, where bring your family, we're going to feed you. Uh, we may talk about some wins. We're not really going to try to teach you much. But we're just going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate you. We're going to we're give away a ton of prizes. Uh, we just want to pour into you. And so all three nights will have elements of all three, but we'll have a main focus. And so again, kind of a long answer to a short question, but those are really some practical things we did to provide some ongoing training. I hope that helps. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I love the systematized approach to that. I think a lot of times... Uh, churches do that randomly, like you, there's a need yep. and you, you kind of feel a need. So maybe you have a, a big group gathering to do some training, or maybe you take somebody out to lunch, you know, because you felt there's a need, but I love it how you've, you've just systematized it to where it happens and it happens all the time. And this is just part of who we are. Yep. So yeah, it, it's th- vital. Yeah, absolutely. I could see how that could create just a wonderful culture where people are, are full of passion. They're well-trained and they're running hard towards the same thing because you're, you've created the system to allow them to do that. Absolutely. And I, even back to one thing you said a second ago is that if you want to attract people and retain great people, you got to give them something worth, worth being a part of. And if you want high capacity people, one of, one of my, we've got some amazing volunteers. Andrew Bates is one that he, he's a multi-business owner and he has served for 10 years in, in kids ministry. And you have to give him something like he is a very high capacity person. And if you don't give him something worth serving for, it's unlikely he's going to stick around. Bruce Cavney is another one. I mean, just an amazing dude. He's a, he's a property manager, a high level property manager. And, and Jeremiah Carr is another one. These are guys that have like legit jobs. Not that other volunteers don't like, these are some high level dudes in the workplace you got to give them something high level and worthwhile on the weekends to commit their lives to. And it's incredible when you do what happens from them, the buy-in, the feedback, the, Hey, I think we could do this. And, and I mean, these are people that are bought in and when I'll even throw this in there too. One thing that our team did, I didn't even have any part to play in this, but was group messages through group me. And then these, uh, we're able to see those conversations, but volunteers leading the way, casting vision, encouraging the team. It's just amazing when you give the ministry away, how these people own it. It's just incredible. And that's a topic for another day, but it's just amazing what you see from these volunteers, uh, who are bought in. I mean, they are bought in. It's incredible. 
But I think to just sum it up, I mean, creating a great brand for a church is all about focusing on your volunteers. One of the things that you said is that volunteers are gold. And I love that because it's such a such a visual, tangible way to, to view your volunteer, um, your volunteers and your volunteer culture. And you have to be very intentional to have a strategy to that that creates an attractive environment and then train people up so that they're, they're very passionate about what they're doing in in your church. And the result of that is going to be a man. I tell you what, a, just an awesome environment where people just want to come and uh, check out what's going on. So Jared, let me um, let me ask you: Is it, what's a good way for people to connect with you? What what are some projects you're working on, maybe that that we can be aware of? Yeah, for sure. So um, you can you can catch me over at creativesheep.org. Again, that's creativesheep.org. It's a it's a, a, a media company that my business partner and I own, where we create uh, video and graphic design elements for churches all over the world. And in fact, right now, if you go and uh, in exchange for your email address, you can get any of the products that are up there for free, completely free. Um, we've got some great seasonal stuff up there for Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day, Father's Day, as well as just some year-round stuff, um, some great countdowns, sermon illustrations, things like that. Feel free to check that out. Um, we, we'd love to, to connect with you that way. You can, you can uh, fill out the form to connect with me, and I believe my phone number and email address are on there as well. So um, happy to connect with you there, but creativesheep.org is probably the, the quickest way to, to, for anybody to get in contact with me. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that. And uh, I want to encourage everyone to check out, check out Creative Sheep. I love that name, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. Absolutely I appreciate love it. it. I just want to thank Jared Hogue once again for coming on our podcast. And uh, he's going to be back with us on a future podcast. So if you liked his content today, then uh, the, he's going to be back and he's going to be talking about another topic that's going to be a wonderful experience for all of, uh, all of our audience. So I want to also let you know about a free resource that's on our, our blog. It's the churchbrandguide.com. The blog itself has a bunch of free resources on there to help you brand your church. Uh, one of the free resources we have on there that's a very popular download is a, a logo questionnaire. So it's basically a, a document that you can download. It has, I believe it's 18 questions on there, if I remember correctly, but it helps you to go, go through a process to identify what your brand is so that you can design something really amazing around the idea of what the brand is. Here, uh, here's a, just a tip. If you're designing a logo or looking to have a logo designed for your church, make sure it is designed towards your audience first. It's not about what you like and your preferences. It's really about what your audience is going to respond to the most. That's what's going to be effective for your logo. So design that way first. And then uh, one thing I want to share with you as well, like I do in, on every episode, is a, a resource, a, a, usually a book. Um, and then this week, the book that I want to uh, share with you is called Visioneering by Andy Stanley. And uh, Andy is just an amazing uh, teacher. And he uh, wrote this book many years ago about uh, visioneering. Actually, I want to say it's almost maybe 20 years ago, um, but it's been rewritten several times. But he, um, he just uh, be- begins to talk about what a vision is and then how to put it out there in such a way that you can get people to um, respond to it, to be a part of it, to, to give towards it of their time, their money, and-, and their abilities to help you accomplish that vision. And so it's a, it's a wonderful book. I want to encourage you to get that if you haven't already read it. Thanks for joining me today on the podcast, and I'll see you next time.